Hi there, you're about to watch Rahul Lusterpa with Paul Sinner. Uh, it's very good. Uh, this episode is sponsored by this book. It's called Fuck This Journal. It's by Dale Shaw. Uh, many journals exist to encourage and provoke inspirational activity in the artistic and creatively inclined. Well read, Rich. That's all right. But what is out there for those paralysed with bitterness and an overwhelming desire to push people over? That's me. I've got that. Fuck this journal. I'm assuming it's fuck. It's F. It could be fork because it has been forked. So sorry if it's that. It's by Dale Shaw. It's out on the 24th of September. Fecally pollutes all the other notion of positive creative encouragement and instead uses anger and resentment as the pointy stick to goad their inner artistic pursuits. With inspiring instructions to spur your bitter creative core and lots of blank space to exhort your artistic spirit, Fuck This Journal liberally takes the we after the twee inspirational journals and the perfect last minute present for the idiot work whose birthday you've forgotten. This is Cree-hate-ivity, like an egg, with acid fun. You can follow the book on Twitter, it's at FXCK, this journal, with an X instead of a U in fuck. It was fuck. So follow them and go and buy the book. There it is. Thank you for sponsoring the episode. Now enjoy Rahula Stepper. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who has just been sick in the back of his throat as he was doing a wee. It's Richard Herring. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome to a slightly about episode... 15 of this series, it's like, I don't know, 70 odd number we've done of these of Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Or as uh, I was down at the skateboard rink, <laughs> the rink where they do skateboarding, just I was doing some skateboarding around, and some of the kids, they didn't know it was me, they were taught, they were all listening to it on their Sony Walkmans, and they said, <laughs> they were, I didn't know what they were talking about, they called it Rehearlestopus. So I don't, oh, that's, that's apparently, that's apparently coming out in the. So uh, I've, uh, I've, I'm very tired. I've just been gigging, trying to work up my, for the shows that the people at home will already have happened. These, this show isn't going out till September now. It's insane. So I'm trying not to be topical. What about the old Queen Nazi salute? I can't do it. Can't, there's no point in it. People go, why is he talking about that? Because there's some pictures of me in the past doing uh, Nazi salutes with a uh, little moustache. I don't want... Sometimes they can be misinterpreted. I was actually uh, in the Hitler Youth. That is the difference between me and the Queen. Uh, but uh, I did, I, I, you know, if you've, if you've listened to my podcast before, you know I'm kind of obsessed with um, pushing my wife into any large body of water that I pass. And I was so tired. I went out on Sunday with my wife and daughter to um, Holland Park. We went to this Japanese gardens. There's a massive koi carp pond in the middle of it. And I was there on this little bridge with my wife and I didn't even think of pushing. That's how I'm either so tired or I've become mature. I don't know which it is that I didn't, didn't even think of pushing her in. But then as we were leaving, a woman, a middle-aged woman fell into this... <laughs> And you know, it was it was quite unpleasant, really. I mean, that's what I don't know if her husband had pushed her. He was behind. He was sort of pulling her out as I saw, as I saw. Generally, she was so she'd hurt herself. Uh, she was quite damp and, and really unhappy. And everyone, all the everyone, no one was laughing. Everyone was looking, just trying to pretend they hadn't noticed, but also but also looking sympathetic. You know, because it was an embarrassing situation for this woman, and that it wasn't as all as funny as I imagined. It would be, but to be honest, part of the reason I thought it would be funny is just exactly that, that 
it would just be because you think oh that poor middle-aged tourist now has to go back to her hotel to change she'll be damp and wet and you know she's gonna be crying if her husband had pushed her she'd be furious with him it's hard to imagine what she's but i've seen it happen and it wasn't as good as i thought uh, and uh, i saw alan sugar on uh, twitter today and back in uh, back in july we are now uh Claiming that he, uh, he would, that someone was taking the piss out of the Amstrad emailer phones, uh, and his response to them was that he had made ten million pounds from the. He had ten five hundred thousand that were sold, and he had ten million pounds in his pocket. Is what he said. From that, which you know, that's a big, he's got big pockets, so he can say. It seems I, I thought that was unlikely. That that's true. He made twenty pounds off of every single phone he sold. It's hard to believe he sold half a million of them. That's uh, but apparently that's the that's the case. Uh, but then I went and looked at the terms and conditions. He was getting twenty p for every email that was sent from those. That was it so. If you bought one of those, you had to pay twenty p every time you used an email. Fucking hell. Uh, and someone told me it was a premium rate. Those, and someone else told me that their gran had to come, she had to ask them to come round because she had one. And she said, how can she turn the pornography off that comes on after nine o'clock? There were sort of pornographic images. So Alan should have made some money out of it by, by being d- a disgusting. <laughs> but well done to him if he really made 10 million. In his pocket. That's in his pocket as well. That's not even shared out amongst the... <laughs> Anyway, we are going to crack on. Uh, so, um, just found it interesting, that, that's all. Uh, my guest today, this week, and there's only one guest this week, remember, is, remember that, he is probably best known for coming forth on Proper Mastermind. That is what, that is why you're here to see him. He's got the highest ever fourth place score, probably. It's Paul Sinner, ladies and gentlemen. Here he is. Paul Sinner from Mastermind. Come in, sit down, pull up a mic. How are you doing? I'm very well, and not as bitter about my mastermind defeat <laughs> as you no, were about you came yours. Forth, you know, you were a long way from winning. Yes, but I didn't spend a very lengthy, tedious <laughs> blog moaning about it like you did. God, I'm over it now. Just <laughs> yeah, about. Just about. You did Magellan as your as Ferdinand Magellan because yeah. I did. I wanted to do something I knew nothing about about somebody who died early and about whom very little was written. It wasn't enough. <laughs> I came fourth. Never mind. Uh, Twenty-five points. So not bad. I got twenty-five. Yeah. Yeah. I got thirty-five. So yes. Uh, um, I think. In that to be group. fair, they made your questions piss easy as they always do for the celebrities, <laughs> and you got Ooh. two and a half minutes for your specialist subject. That but other true. than that, that other true. than that, your uh, achievement is equal to mine. Thank you. <laughs> How many did you get wrong? Uh, I, can't, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't even count them. There were so many. <laughs> I got three wrong, I think, or four maybe. Anyway, we don't want to talk about Mastermind because that just brings up unpleasant memories. <laughs> uh, uh, Stuart Lee won his heat, didn't he? Yeah, with, yeah, about, okay, 20, didn't. with about 24. Yeah, bitter, you know, bitter, it's bitter. Just, uh, it's the exact opposite way around. Uh, so... Uh, uh, I bet he, you know, he doesn't even keep it. I bet he doesn't keep his trophy anywhere special. He was he was on here and he had he was looking after Pliny, our Pliny and Histor, our crows that were very valuable puppets. He left his in a cellar and it rotted. So imagine that if he does that with a beautiful thing. What's he done with his mastermind trophy? Definitely an edge there between you there and him, is. isn't there? Yeah, it's an awful thing to do. Mind you, my one's falling apart as well. So we'll talk a bit about we'll talk mainly about quizzes, and I want to mainly talk to you. Uh, 
about the chase. It's on the chase is on ITV as we were discussing backstage. So obviously I don't watch that. No, uh, no but uh, nobody does. I don't watch it myself. <laughs> but uh, Rising Damp was good, wasn't it? It right? was and good. Then, and since then, there's been something of a vacuum of quality. You can choose work. your friends. Was a very good uh, show <laughs> in 2007. Uh, but I was. I do watch the chase sometimes when pointless isn't on. And uh, <laughs> why do they call you the cinnamon? Um, the cinnamon is it a pun on cinnamon? I don't think that's it's offensive. I don't think it's anything to be honest. Cinnamon. For anyone that's not seen the show, yeah. um, there's Anna Hegarty who's called the governess because she's yeah. bossy, yeah. and Mark Labette who's called the beast because he's fucking his cousin, and uh, <laughs> and uh, Sean Wallace. Sean Wallace uh, is yeah. called the Dart Destroyer because low-level racism <laughs> is still okay on an ITV T-Time quiz show. Yeah. And they just kind of ran up. When, you, when you've done the Dart Destroyer, yeah. there's nowhere politically incorrect for you to go, <laughs> really. And I, nobody had a clue what to call me. Cinnamon, and so Cinnamon is just a... I mean, it's nothing to do with the spice, as far as I'm aware. It's spelled S-I-N-N-E-R-M-A-N. The Cinnamon. The Cinnamon. It rhymes with Inner Man, which is kind of appropriate, really. <laughs> Um, Do you think it's some kind of reference to your homosexuality? The ITV, uh, you're a sinner man. It's it's about as as about as much as I can get away with (laughs) at five pm on a tea time quiz show. Um, well, okay, we didn't get as much out of that as I was hoping. I was hoping that well, would I just, be... Well, uh, I genuinely... I that would be the I whole... Genu- the answer is I genuinely don't know. It, right. was, a, it was a rush decision. Can't Nobody you choose? Really knew. Can't you say I want to be called... The Brown Bummer? No. Um, <laughs> that was considered a little bit risque, to be honest with you. Uh, no, I didn't get any choice in the matter at all. Do you think I chose that suit? I certainly didn't choose Did that suit. Did you not suit. choose the suit? No, They're no. Just... I don't mind it now. It was an albatross for, around my neck for quite a while. But I kind of thought, Bradley looks good. Bradley looks stylish. Could you not make me look a bit like Bradley? And they were like, you're too fat, Paul. We can't make you look <laughs> like Bradley. You're going to have to have a white suit. Uh, and I like it now because yeah. it's what people know me for. I didn't like it for a while, but now they have given me the option in the past of changing to something... Uh, more stylish and I've said no it's it's me now it's fine oh good well it's it's I mean it's not really an unusual creature but you've done you've had a few you were a doctor and then you were obviously a stand-up comedian which you still are mm-hmm. uh, and how did you get into being in, in, in the chase I mean you were obviously getting into quizzes but um how were you how it was you? a weird midlife crisis um <laughs> a guy Simon Evans you know very well I do. He, he he was uh he rang me up out of the blue in 2007 and said, we're trying to put together a team for University Challenge, the professionals, a comedian's team. Um, I can't remember why you weren't asked, but... Uh, <laughs> Stuart Lee was asked. Was he? And, yeah, he couldn't turn up for the audition. But I, 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 my heart, Mr. Beeps, I've always been, like you actually, always yeah. been obsessed with quizzes since I was a kid. Sale of the Century, the first half of Bullseye, that, that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, and I absolutely jumped at the chance. Uh, we got on... And I don't think we realised at the time that the reason we got was probably to be the joke team. Because it was quite a strong... <laughs> Pete Graham, who runs the downstairs of the King's Head, yeah. myself, Simon Evans and Natalie Haynes. And we thought oh, we'd put together clever. a decent team. Yeah. And we got absolutely battered. Right. Uh, and at the end, uh, Jeremy uh, Paxman said, uh, well done for taking part. And it was the uh, patronising tone of voice. Uh, and then a, a team... A, a member of the team called the Loot Players asked, yeah, the Loot Players <laughs> asked me at the hotel bar afterwards how we did, and we said we got beaten, and they said what was the score? We said it was 215, 100, and he said 100. 
that's not bad for a team of comedians. Ooh. And it was at that point that I thought, fuck these people. I would like <laughs> to be quite good at quizzing. And I started taking it seriously uh, and entering tournaments up and down the country, doing monthly tournaments, rising up the quiz. There were quiz tournaments every, first Saturday of every month around the country. And when I first heard there was a, an opportunity to get on the chase, I was ranked in the top 20 in the country. And I thought for the first time in my life that this was actually a job out there that I might be quite good at, which is not something that I've ever felt professionally <laughs> uh, as far as my comedy career goes. Um, comedy career goes, you're self-employed. There's not, there's not that many jobs out there. Yeah. And my medical career, it's been estimated that I saved the lives of over 3,000 patients when I left a career in medicine <laughs> to pursue my dreams of being a full-time comic. So this was the first time I'd ever seen a job where I thought, actually, this could be me. And I applied uh, and did an audition. And you're like this. Uh, we, got a, we, we got an email back saying, thank you for the audition. Uh, his general knowledge was actually quite good, but we didn't think he was quite funny enough for the show. <laughs> Have you any idea what a kick to the guts that is as a professional comedian to find out you're not funny enough for a show where you don't actually have to be funny, you just have to be good at general knowledge. But luckily they gave me a second audition and after that it was plain sailing. You went in with some jokes. Yeah, went in with some prepared jokes. Where are you from? Um, <laughs> Brokeback Mountain shirt, that sort of thing, yeah. Um, you know, the usual sort of compare stuff. And um, yeah, the second audition went blindingly well. Cool. And did you also try and get into Eggheads, is that true? Or was you on the, yeah, I did try. It was a show, a first, no, second series of Are You an Egghead? Oh, yes. uh, and they, they came to audition people at one of the Quizback tournaments and they asked me what I can bring to the show. And I said, um, I'm an openly gay man who, unlike CJ Demui, is actually quite good at quizzing. And uh, <laughs> they, so I, I managed to get through the audition of obnoxiousness alone. Uh, and then I lost in the first round. I have a very inglorious... I've, I've won... Before I did the chase, I'd won the exact number of episodes of quiz shows that you'd won. So there you go. <laughs> didn't you knock out... Or didn't you get all the eggheads? You're very, very knowledgeable out. about the intricate details yeah. of my quizzing career, Richard. I, am, yeah, I applaud you for that. In. Yeah, you win egg... I did, did anybody watch the show Are You an Egghead? There you go. That's the... That's the... Uh, that's the public... You pick up... You, there are five rounds, and yeah. if you win each round, you pick up an egghead to help you out in the final round. And I won the rounds 5 nil, so I got five eggheads. And between them, and that included Kevin, the greatest quizzer who's ever lived, they provided me with not one correct answer, <laughs> causing my dad to go, this is racist. Um, <laughs> when he watched the show back, he was convinced it was some kind of racist conspiracy. <laughs> Well, might be. Yeah, eggheads fake. Yeah, yes. I don't like eggheads. I think that's one I. Well, I think eggheads would be better if they didn't do the the multiple choice. Well, the problem with eggheads is just too easy for yeah. the people involved. Kevin's the most. Kevin Ashman is arguably the most knowledgeable human being who's ever walked the planet. Asking him to do three multiple choice questions is not really utilising his talent, <laughs> and as a result, the show's just really, really dull. Do you know why he's so good? I've seen, so I've talked about this before, but I saw, I'm quite obsessed with uh, the Eggheads and I've seen uh, Kevin and CJ. I've seen CJ a few times in public, just by chance. But I saw Kevin from Eggheads in Winchester Pizza Express. He lives in Winchester. Yeah. Well, he actually doesn't live in Winchester. He lives in a hotel. He's, he's, the, he's <laughs> the quizzing's version of the littlest hobo. He's, 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 he's in between homes at the moment. He's been living right. out of hotel rooms like Alan Partridge for the, um, for the last six to eight months or so. so. Is he? Well, he was, he was eating pizza on his own just with a big 
book of quiz that answers. <laughs> so that's why. But that's what you've got to do. You've got to give up your entire life. To yeah, quiz him I if think you want to be him. There, there are there are three quizzes in the country that I'll never ever 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 be as good at as because I just don't have their brains and I don't have their staying power and I don't have their ability to learn for eight hours a day. That's what you need to be at that level, and I'll never be as good as that. But I'm pretty much competing at a decent level with the rest of them. Yeah. The, 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 the mere mortals. It's a bit like tennis. I'm sort of like v- David Ferrer or Juan Martin Del Potro. I'll, <laughs> occasion- I'll occasionally do well, but I'll never be a Nadal, a Djokovic or a Federer. No. Yeah, that's a good, it's a good analogy for the sporting people in my audience, which is that bloke over there. So, <laughs> did CJ really say that he'd read an autobiography of the Rosetta Stone? How do you know all of this? I've researched you. <laughs> This is unbelievable. I'm obsessed with CJ's. Yeah, one of my questions I had needed help on was um, what stone is the Rosetta Stone made out of? And I didn't know. And the answer is granny odorite, which is not a word I'd ever heard of in my life. And I asked CJ for some help, and he said he'd read an autobiography of the Rosetta Stone. (laughs) Never know. (laughs) The stranger things. I bet it was a ghostwriter. Can Can you name five English league teams that begin and end with the same letter? Um, okay, Aston Villa. Yeah, one. Yeah, that's the obvious one. Liverpool. Very good. That's quite a hard one. <laughs> There's no hard in Richard Herring. <laughs> um, uh, York City, do you count Yeah, that? York City is the best one to get because that's who I support. Oh, okay. Um, York and they're City. just in the league. Uh, Nearly got relegated last time. York City. In fact, one of them has just been promoted from the conference. Whatever it's called now. Oh, bollocks. I'm not going to get it then, am I? Um, let's make this last 40. Let's, <laughs> let's carry this on until he's got them all. Give me a hand here. What are the other two? Town. Sorry? Northampton Town. Northampton Town was quite a good help. That was, uh, that was just the that answer. That was a good clue, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent clue there. Cobblers was a good Very cryptic. <laughs> Charlton Athletic. I said that, didn't I? No. Oh, shit. I had it, I had it in my head. Luton so. Town. Oh, Luton Town has no, an L and an N. <laughs> someone, had, someone had Luton Town. No, that's why. Why, 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 did, why did I write that down at the bottom of there? I got, I'm just obsessed with Luton. Brilliant research on my quizzing career. They're less five. good on the alphabet. There are five. Yeah, we're four. They're five. They're four. Northampton Town. Liverpool, Northampton, Charlton, Charlton Athletic, Aston Villa. Aston Villa, five. Aston Villa. I wrote down Luton Town instead of Aston Villa. Because Aston Villa was so easy. Both of Luton and Town end with an N. <laughs> That's a different question. Uh, <laughs> so you once shared a flat with Jim Jeffries and Michael McIntyre. Yes. In Newcastle for a weekend. Yes, I did. What August, was that like? August 2002. Um, I was doing the Hyena Comedy Club in Newcastle. And they don't, they don't spring for a hotel. They put you in a flat above the club. Uh, and I'd never met either bad boy of comedy, Jim Jeffries, yeah. who's uh, a performing arts student called Jeffrey Nugent in real life. That's why he, does, he never seems to mention that. His real name's Jeffrey Nugent, and he's got a background in ballet and performing arts. But this never, this never actually comes up when he's talking about his uh, fictitious struggles with alcohol. And, um, 
and I shared a flat with him and uh, Michael McIntyre. And I'd never met Michael McIntyre before in my life. Mm. Uh, and they just simply, they'd clearly met at the 2002 Edinburgh Festival, decided that they were polar opposites because for three days they literally did not say a word to each other during the whole time. Uh, which was, I, it was not behaviour that I was used to. And on the Saturday night, um, one of them just started rolling a joint and said, Paul, do you, do you know, do you, do you want to smoke? And I was like, should we ask Jim as well? Um, <laughs> how good are off the curbs lawyers? <laughs> uh, yeah. You're electric. Yeah, uh, but it was just a very weird experience. And yeah. Rob, Rob, uh, Jim Jeffries, um, his first words to me were, he, he had a mate called Rob Heaney. Do you know Rob Heaney? Comedian yeah, 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 writer, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He said, Rob Heaney tells me you fancy him. And I went, yeah. And he went, uh, <laughs> well, you haven't met me yet. And I thought, that's an incredibly bold conversational <laughs> gambit. Well, hey, he, just... and you have met him because you're talking to him. Yes. I have met you. You're there. We're having a conversation. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it, it was just very, 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 very strange dynamic. And I yeah. wasn't to know that both of them were ludicrously famous because Michael McIntyre was... He, he wasn't as brilliant as he is now back then. Yeah. His, his sort of surge creatively came in the sort of mid-noughties. And back then, he was just a work, he was just a work a day, quite pleasant compare. And there wasn't more to it than that, really. Yeah. Just didn't, didn't, didn't see that massive leap coming. No, it's kind of interesting the way that comedy can throw up that, that sort of odd well, pairing or three, three people who would never really meet in any of the circumstances. I, I, sharing I, a flat. It's sort of like a weird sitcom where no one speaks to each other. <laughs> It was a bit like, I mean, I mean, certainly Michael McIntyre was more my kind of person, <laughs> being the quiet, the quiet, educated, middle-aged, just jolly nice chap sort of person, the sort of person you could take home. If you're ever going to take your first ever boyfriend to meet your mum and dad, <laughs> and you wanted to soften the blow, it would be some, so to speak, uh, it, would, it, would, it would be somebody like Michael McIntyre, not yeah. least with 50 million in the bank. Yeah. And in being heterosexual, at least that would be... It would add a bit of spice to the At least one of them isn't gay. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Uh, To be fair, 80% of my my sex has been with heterosexual men, so um, that's that's, that's not really been a barrier. Yes, yes. (laughs) But thank you for intimating that I might be a rapist. (laughs) I'd say they probably were bisexual on some level. Yeah, well, no, we, 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 oh, oh, you we I'm, dressed I'm, up I'm as not a very go- convincing lady. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go there tonight. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, and John Oliver showed you how to inflate your car tyres as well. Oh, so it's that, that sort of tongue-in-cheek blog that I wrote about, <laughs> the, fa- about the famous people that I've met. Yeah, John <laughs> Oliver, the greatest satirist of his generation. I used to know him quite well. I'm, quite, I'm one of these people who's been through comedy and has met everybody and watched them sail past me <laughs> to great comedic heights. John Oliver was a South London, part of the South London lot that played football at Crystal Palace on a, on a Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. And there was one Sunday when, uh, one, one day where I thought, uh, I don't know how to inflate the tyre of my car. And because it was an afternoon, there were only comedians that I could ask, because only comedians are available in the afternoon. So I thought, I better ring someone I know is definitely heterosexual, because um, <laughs> it's a car thing, and only heterosexuals will know about that. And it was him, and, he, right. and, uh, and it's just one of those mundane... Just I'm one surprised of those mundane, he knew. Because he's heterosexual, but he's still like a nerdy, dweeby guy who probably isn't that interested in cars. Yeah, it was just inflating a tyre, though. Yeah. Uh, if you'd rung me, I'd have gone, yeah, yeah, I think I'd... 
Really? No. Yeah, well, I sort of could just about, but I'm always confused about the pressures and stuff you're meant to put on there. <laughs> uh, but his, his rise has been extraordinary. And, but you're not the only one who's watched people. No, I'm not Richard, you. am I? Um, so, uh, <laughs> that, 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 that's fair enough. But it's, uh, but it's just, you know, I feel an enormous sense of pride when I see people. I don't feel jealousy at all. No. When I see people, well, apart from Chowdhury, but uh, when, you see, <laughs> when you see people that you want to know rise to such heights. John Oliver was, uh, every year for the World Quizzing Championships, I learned the list of people who were in the Time 100 People of the Year because they often come up. Yeah. And so to look at the list and go, hang on a second, that bloke there helped me inflate a tyre in 2001 is a really, really proud moment. Yeah, no, it's, well, it is incredible. I mean, John's an incredible... I'm hoping to get John when he's over here, when, if that ever happens. I hope, I'm hoping to get him on this, because he's got... An, I, you know, I, I mentioned it before again, but I've, I've done a, I did a gig in Aldershot with him and, uh, him and Zaltzman. Uh, where we were just all died and were nearly killed by squaddies. Oh, just right. to think that that guy, you know, if you'd, if you'd said to that audience, one of us is going to go on to be <laughs> yeah, the yeah. prime no. satirist of the world. Uh, but uh, I think they might not have uh, believed you. But I, I'm, I'm coming to the belief that uh, this particular podcast series is about, it's, it's really the subplot of this series is about me coming to terms uh, with where I am in my own career. So uh, that's, that's what's keeping, that's the story that keeps... The, the kind of bitterness going through to gradual acceptance, just to... Pride. Yeah. That's the word, isn't it? Rather than gradual acceptance. <laughs> pride at the success of your... That's it, yeah. Pride. I'm, I'm doing so well. Uh, so... <laughs> and we would briefly mention backstage. We have a little conversation backstage, and I don't think it was actually filmed, but if you uh, pay a pound a month, you can see those. They're worth watching, by the way. Uh, go to gofaststripe.com slash badges. Uh-huh. I slipped an advert into the middle. Tricked you fuckers who fast-forward through the first bit. And there's nothing you can do. You can't take that back. You've heard it now. <laughs> Uh, you, you, uh, we were talking about David Icke a little bit backstage, but you met David Icke, who I'm quite fascinated with. He's one of those characters. Yeah, he's... That, um, uh, I don't know what anyone here thinks of David Icke, but I was absolutely convinced that he'd deliberately gone on a plan to make money by finding a vacuum in the political spectrum that he could sit in and uh, go on about his theories. I didn't believe that he believed a word he said. I thought it was very cynical. It's, it's the classic thing to go from goalkeeper to crackpot political <laughs> philosopher. It's a very hackneyed way to make a living. But I, I just assumed he didn't. And then I had lunch. This is... Um, what's that chap called? Keith Allen. He runs yeah. a, a thing at the... Ast- yeah, at the we ast- know him. <laughs> What would it take for you to fillet Keith Allen, by the way? I think we brought him up. Again? Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a, you might be the only person who has that I've talked to so far. Uh, <laughs> possible. Um, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know where this, what this Keith Allen history is, yeah. but um, he runs this gig at the establishment. Uh, that's, that, that's what it's called. Yeah. Uh, and people pay an awful lot of money to get in uh, to see the guests, which is... Not terribly anti-establishment, is it? But um, <laughs> David Icke was one of his guests. And it was very clear that he believed everything he said. There was, no, there was, there was absolute conviction in his voice. And when he came to be interviewed, he made a n- number of allegations that sounded quite ludicrous, including the one... He made the allegation, for legal purposes, he made the <laughs> allegation that former Prime Minister Ted Heath was a paedophile and a murderer. Right. Which got a pretty much the reaction from the audience <laughs> listening as it did there because they, people were just laughing at him uh, rather than with him um, 
and which is actually what Terry Wogan said to him back back in the day, didn't he? Yeah. When he was interviewed by Wogan, Wogan said, "They're laughing at you, David." Yeah. Uh, and yet, ever since, with this string of allegations about establishment paedophilia, because this was about a year, this was about a year ago, and he mentioned uh, Lord Greville Janet in, in 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 one of many allegations that he made, and with the drip drip allegations that have been coming out in the last few months, you do start to go. Oh come on! Was it, was it was he right all along? I mean, it's it's it's, it's you know, the, you do feel that there's a massive level of cover-up going on on this issue. But I think well, that you know, that the problem with conspiracy theories is they could be some of them could be true. They are the the Isle of Wight hasn't yet fallen into the sea, which I think was one of the things he said would happen. No, and so, I don't yeah, think he didn't, get, he didn't get all of that right. I don't think we're run by lizard people. It's, no, it, it, it seems very unlikely. But a a, a stopped clock is correct <laughs> twice a day, and that would be a pretty serious allegation to be correct over with David Arkin. It'd be a pretty stop? impressive clock if it oh, well, once, <laughs> once or twice a day it says Ted Heath's a murderer and a thief. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would listen to it. If a clock said that, I would, I would believe it. If David Icke says it, I'm sure but, it's not true. But one, th- <laughs> one thing's absolutely sure, he, he he's not only believes every word he says, but he has researched it to the nth degree and has reams and reams and reams of written evidence yeah. that he's happy to quote. Well, his books are... We, we were briefly obsessed with them in the 90s and I'd read a couple of his books or one... You know, they're very long, rambling, weird things. And, you know, and I think the thing with him is he's been, he's been slightly used, I think, by the right wing because he believes... that When he talks about lizards, I think he believes that they're lizards. Whereas I think a lot of the people who are talking about lizards ruling the world are using lizards as a kind of metaphor for another group of people. The gays? <laughs> I don't think they think that. So there's some, there are some anti-Semitic people yes, who yeah, believe yeah, the yeah. world is run, run well, by Jewish people, who I think if it is, they've done quite a bad job of looking after themselves throughout this <laughs> process. That's a bold claim, Richard. That's a bold claim. I'm not going there. <laughs> but I, so I would say it's not true, but I think there, there is this sort of feeling of, I, I think that, there's a, that he's been... You know, the other groups have kind of attached themselves to him, uh, and he's just you know a, a slightly eccentric. He's a lone wolf. Believes in, yeah, he's, he he's, believes he's, in lizards. I don't think he attaches himself to any particular political movement. No. But what, but one thing I did think was he definitely he's, he's not as cynical as I thought he was. That he does believe everything that he says, and he's pre- prepared to say it out loud, which is I wanted to say to him like. You, what you really want to ask him is, who was the toughest striker you ever played against? So <laughs> I, I tried, tried to get that side of his life back into conversation. But Hereford United, that's our name. HD, sorry. No, it's OK, carry on. <laughs> but, but he really wouldn't... wouldn't Hereford ever... ends in D and United end in D. That's, I keep getting confused. <laughs> and let's not go on to Dunder United, you just said English. But anyway, yeah. um, but no, he, uh, he definitely changed my mind about him I yeah. def- definitely thought that he was a, just a cynical money man and now I just think he's a very committed crackpot who may be right about some things <laughs> but, that, you know, that, but I think that's why those that, that if there was a shadowy cabal of uh, paedophiles and the upper echelons of society as it seems there was mm-hmm. uh, then you know that's how they, they managed to make it that, that's how they sort of hide in plain sight isn't it it's the, it's the Jimmy Savile was hiding in plain sight as we discussed at some length with the previous guest uh, and got in the papers as a result of the paper journalists being fucking stupid so you got a book out yes well it's about to come out but it'll be out in September when this comes out 
no, nobody has ever researched me better than I know, you. Well, can, I, I, can, I, can I just say, I've, I've had radio interviews where um, I've been asked, so what does your wife think of your career? <laughs> well, it's, uh, well, it's, you, you've actually done, you, done your work. Well, I had a, I, a couple of years ago, I had a Radio 4 show called the uh, Paul Sinner Citizenship Test about right. the sort of stuff that I think should be in the citizenship test. And a publishing company very kindly came, came, came and said... We like to uh, put that sort of thing into print. And it's just, I'm not going to big it up. It's just a, a quirky toilet, one of those books that you read in the toilet on Boxing Day or December the 27th, <laughs> because it was the, it was the last present that your beloved bought you when, when they were having an idle moment in Waterstones. I'm not going to make it out to be something it isn't. It's a quirky toilet book. Um, uh, but it's sort of a, and, and it's up to date though. It, it covers the after, after the general election, so I'm quite, quite pleased about that. But it's just an A to Z of the sort of things I think you should know, should need to know if you want to survive in Britain. So mostly, as my agent said when she ran, went through it, you can't say eight times this city has amazing Chinese restaurants. <laughs> They're just, just be a little bit biased towards the things that I'm really into. Oh, there's an amazing... Birmingham has an amazing gay village just walking distance away from the best restaurants in Chinatown. Manchester has an amazing gay scene just walking distance from the best restaurants in Chinatown. Newcastle has an amazing gay scene just walking distance from Chinatown. There's, there's, it's, it, 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 took, it took a lot of work, but I'm pleased with it. I haven't looked at it yet. Right. We've received a advanced copies it doesn't go on sale until a month ago <laughs> august <laughs> august the 6th okay. well it might be sold out by now there might be no copies left like on fuck. kindle <laughs> <laughs> they can't sell out now because of kindle you can never sell out because kindle will keep on printing oh, of them of course yes yeah so there's no even if everyone went and bought it they could still buy, keep buying more uh, online because I, I remember hearing uh, just like one when on those drives that you do as a comedian I remember you talked did a show which I don't think is the same radio show but about cricket yeah but, but I, I've, done, I've done a, a couple I've got I've done three one-offs yeah. on cricket uh, the Olympics before the 2012 Olympics I did a show about why it was going to be brilliant uh, and then in January um, I did one on Magna Carta oh, right. uh, which is as you can imagine writing 25 minutes about a Latin medieval 800-year document was a comedic joy. <laughs> it really was. But, uh, but in the middle of that, I've done... So the cricket one was about allegiance, yeah, based on the Tebbit test uh, yes. of who do I support when India play England. Uh, the answer these days is whoever's fucking winning, because I am that shallow. But <laughs> it was really about the fact that it doesn't matter. No. There, there are reasons why you support... I support... I'm from South London. I support Liverpool at football. And the reason I support Liverpool at football is that I started supporting Liverpool at football when I was seven years old. And when I was seven years old, I was a glory-hunting prick. So, um, <laughs> that, so it, there are various reasons why you support stuff, and it shouldn't really matter. That's what was the theme of the show. I support York City because the first name letter and last letter are the same. <laughs> wish I'd realised Liverpool. Same reason I supported Liverpool, I wish, yeah. I just wish I'd supported Liverpool. Because York is shit. <laughs> 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 That's the headline from tonight's show. <laughs> York City fan claims team are shit. <laughs> Michael McIntyre denies marijuana <laughs> allegations. <laughs> you also uh, alleged there was some uh, joke crossover between you and Peter Kay on one of your blogs. Uh, Christ, all right, really. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, when I started out, I just did puns. That's all I did, one-liners and puns. I was really, really, really bad, and it was desperate shock gay comedy, just trying to do the the, the uh, most tasteless one-liners. 
And I just had this pun that went, I rang Pizza Hut delivery and ordered a thin and crusty supreme. Imagine my surprise when Diana Ross turned up at the door half an hour later. And that was the joke. And it's, it's all right, isn't it? It's all right. It's a, but um, as I moved away from puns, it didn't really, it, the joke became not that important. And then I got an email from Noel James, the great Welsh comedian, yeah, no, Noel James, saying, Paul, I've got some terrible news for you. Uh, and I thought he was going to die. That's, how, <laughs> that's what I thought this was going to say. And it just went... Peter Kay has used your joke on the National Something Awards. Right. And the reason I know it's my joke is there's no such thing as a thin and crusty supreme. <laughs> there was no, it's a thin crust supreme. The yeah. words have been changed to make the pun more meaningful. And I don't think he deliberately stole it from me. His writers... I, well, what may have happened, actually, is that jokes enter, they enter the circulation, don't they? This is before Cicopedia, but, but post-internet. And yeah. so there, there, there are sites where you, jokes just get posted and writers just go, we'll have that, we'll have that, we'll have that. Yeah. That's all. It was, just a, it was just a little dig because Peter Kay is a well-known joke thief and um, <laughs> I, I don't think he's going to sue because he's a well-known joke thief. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not like I've said anything that's not true. <laughs> It'll be interesting to find out. We never, we've never got into any kind of legal difficulties on this podcast yet because the podcast, the, you know, the internet is still the Wild West. But yes. it'd be interesting to see if someone did decide to sue this podcast, whether I'd get sued or you'd get sued for that. It would be interesting. We've got, we got Ted Heath yeah. and we've got Lord Gravel Janner and we've got Michael McIntyre and then there's Did Peter Kay Nick a Joke? It's quite, it's, it's quite far down the list of uh, allegations that we're making, given that last one is 110% true. <laughs> But uh, actually, my the, the all the uh, Peter Vosetsering thing, the, the, like it doesn't get reported in the British media, but in the world media, there's a lot more being reported. There's the, like in Australia, there was a big just this week in back in July, there was a big documentary about it, naming like some of the names apparently of people that that don't get named openly uh, in uh, in Britain. So that's kind of so around the world. If you go to the internet, you can find find out a lot more about it. If you can go, where do you find the time? <laughs> well, I didn't do. I write, just I heard. I, I heard. You write a blog for Metro. You write. You write all these blogs. I don't get any time to look. I don't know what they said. My wife just told me a friend. It's a friend who lives in Australia. Told her that it's, it's all. It's all kind of out in the open, out in out in the rest of the world, oh. as it often is. You know, but that's but that's often true with the royal royal family. Uh, uh, not, who knew Edward the Who knew Edward the Eighth was a Nazi? <laughs> who knew that? No one knew. <laughs> Anyone that's never read a book, <laughs> who knew? He just liked he liked to live in Bermuda. That was during the, thought it's the war. I'll go and live in Bermuda for a bit. Get get away from it all. <laughs> Presumably you all know this. He was sent to... Was it Bermuda or the Bahamas? I, can't, yeah, I, I can was, never remember. No, I don't know. Maybe But he was Bahamas. sent there by Churchill because he was giving secrets away to the Nazis. This is, yeah. this is all openly in documents. That he was giving secrets away to the Nazis. The Churchill had to get rid of him and send him to the West Indies where he could do no damage whatsoever. Yeah. That is why Edward VIII became governor of... I think it was Bahamas. Yeah, maybe but, the Bahamas. Um, yeah. I always get the two mixed up. They're the same. It's <laughs> the same thing. Uh, but, and also, like, just everyone used to do that Nazi... I mean, I don't think they Perhaps showing some people doing a Nazi salute is meaningless. A, it was 1934 so it was before anything came out B they might have been taking the piss out of Hitler that's what that's what you know so yeah. my, my granddad and Charlie Chaplin who he was a mass fan of he used to just do all that. Well, I don't think Charlie Chaplin put his finger he didn't need to Charlie Chaplin didn't need to put his finger there because he had the moustache already they do, that was the joke wouldn't it? they'd all do that kind well, of thing well to be fair the story's now three months old um, <laughs> it's true I think people will still be talking about who knows what's come out next but <laughs> Um, 
<laughs> oh, that's the other way to go. I, I, thought I'd just, I thought I'd pretend to fall asleep to get out of, the, get out of that. I'll ask you some questions. Uh, you like this Desert Island Dicks? I'm asking you, you like this? If you're going to Desert Island, which eight Richards would you take with you? Wow, that's a really good question. Thank you. Um, it's quite hard to think of eight, and I'm don't, you can't take me because I'm there already. God, I can't even think I'm of eight the Richards. I know, that's the whole point of this question. Uh, the ghost the, of Little Richard. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's, for entertainment value. It can be um, historical, it can be dead. Richard Osman, because, you know, you just yeah. got to, really. He'll have entertaining anecdotes. Um, he does. Um, he was very rude about my mum, Richard Osman. It's very funny, he was just was talking about my mum, because my mum had spotted a mistake in... Well, she doesn't watch The Chase, so she can't spot the mistakes in there. But she's spotted a mistake. Nobody so, watches The Chase They anymore. do, it's a very popular um, Fanny Schmeller, they all love it, it's great. <laughs> We've all seen that. Rich, Rich, oh God, I can't even think Two of Two Richards you got. Uh, You're going to be meant to be Dick a Chatterborough. Yeah, good. He'll be good. He can make a, do a little film about it all. Uh, can make some dinosaurs <laughs> on the island. Yes, that's true. Uh, Richard Desmond, he's... Um, yeah. He can... <laughs> He could really provide, be in your top provide, eight to take. Just <laughs> he could provide the porn. Um, uh, Richard the Lionheart. Ah, there we go. So now he'd protect you if you're in a crisis yeah. of, any, of any description. Uh, and jeez, um, oh, you, you really caught me out here. Richard, 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 Richard. Like so Richard. Simmons. Richard Simmons, the uh, the American exercise guru with the curly hair. You're on a desert no, island. You're not going to need an exercise guru. <laughs> He's quite annoying as well, Richard Simmons. That's quite an ex- obscure reference for a clearly British man to. A lot, a lot of Richard Herring because he likes quizzes. I'm here. Um, I'm there already. I'm there. I'm, oh, you're I'm, there I'm the luxury Richard Herring. I'm the Shakespeare Richard Herring. Oh, I Shakespeare see. Richard, yeah. Uh, Richard oh, Wiley. Richard Whiteley. Don't Good help call. him. You can't do that in the chase, can you? He's going. He doesn't know. What's the captain of Bolivia? You can't shout it out to him. I'm very different when I've not got the earpiece in, aren't I? Um, <laughs> uh, Rich, I just, I can't really get any sporting. It would have to be a. Sp- sp- Richard Iowardi? Yeah, yeah, he's a popular choice. Very people handsome. Think him. Um, very talented guy. Yeah. Uh, Richard, uh, I can't even think of any sporting Richards. Hadley. Brilliant, Sir Richard, Richard Hadley. Richie Benno, uh, that's Richie Benno, your hero, Richie Benno. Richie Benno, what you didn't a great even think call. to take him. Every morning, morning pool. It'd be, um, <laughs> <laughs> be good to wake up to, wouldn't it? Yeah, if Richard you Benno. had to choose between dating, I ask everyone this question. Between dating and, and what? A, uh, dating a man who was a six foot tall penis. A man who was oh, yeah, a six, it's just foot a six foot tall penis. He's got a face, but he doesn't have anything else. He's just a penis. He doesn't have testicles. He's just got like a, a little slug thing on the bottom. They move, he moves along like a slug. Or a man who, instead of having a penis, had a tiny man where his penis should be. Which would you prefer? You make it sound like that's a dilemma. <laughs> the second guy's got a face, and yeah. I'm a face guy, yeah. as I told the you. The penis first... has got a face, it's just on the helmet of a penis. Uh, and then secondly, it's a threesome. It so is. the second guy. So uh, it's, it's, it's not a difficult choice, really. Okay. It is... Uh, it is the second because I'm okay. a face guy which you is like why faces. which is why uh, in my why I fancied you back in the day you, is, you did used to fancy me the first thing you told me was that he used to fancy me and I said what happened <laughs> and I didn't know what to say because the, tr- the true answer was you got fat and I 
and instead I said, I'm not gay anymore, which is perhaps the, <laughs> the most embarrassing drunken thing I've ever said. Good. If this, I ask, I ask everyone this. Yeah. Have you ever thought of a good terrorist atrocity to carry out? <laughs> I ask everyone. I have to ask them, so when I have an Asian person on, I have to say, it would be racist not to ask them. Because <laughs> uh, right. I think of like, I think of them all the time. What was the one I thought of this week? It was something about, um, I know that was, oh, I can't remember, there was something about something, the way you could kill loads of children. <laughs> uh, I can't remember, it's been a difficult week, what was it? It was, because we had a discussion, someone, one of the guests was talking about Halloween. Was that Brett last week and saying that he would never put sweets out, but you could poison sweets? But I thought of a good, good way you could poison loads of children. <laughs> Can't remember what it was now. I'll come back it's to it hopefully. Good... I, you know, this is just so, this is so we can get get them out there so that people. Um, when I went to Amsterdam, I got I got really we got really uh, every uh, all our bags taken apart and everything. We really they really thought we uh, maybe because of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd like a computer programmer to come up with a program where if somebody tweets thank you Katie Hopkins you're just saying what we're all thinking yeah. they drop down dead some sort of cyber terrorist attack anyone that goes Dapper Laughs is such a legend at OMG if they could drop down dead as well that, that would be great it's in the terrorist interest to keep those people alive though I would say isn't it they uh well, it certainly allows people to hate Western civilization. <laughs> it does. It, it, it fosters a hatred of Western civilization, which drives these extremists, apparently, yeah. according to David Cameron, uh, a couple of months ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very small... I just well, The amount of money we're spending on anti-terrorism and the amount of concern we're putting into it, and like someone in, someone in America worked out the more people have been killed by furniture falling over onto them and TVs falling onto them than have been, Americans have been killed by terrorist attacks in August... Uh, 2015, <laughs> just in case there's been a few, yeah. few thousand wiped this, this, out. This, this, yeah, exactly. Well, this goes out on September the 12th, out, doesn't yeah, it? <laughs> it? More or less is. I, I, I don't think just because of furniture-related accidents, anti-terrorism is necessarily a bad thing. But you wouldn't spend a lot of money on just making sure TVs were propped up because 17 people have been killed by them. You know, there's, there's a very. It's a, I, I admit you have to be a bit prepared for it. I don't think we can be blasé about it. But I don't think it's um, that big. You know, they, if they, it's really easy to kill loads of people. That's the point I'm trying to make in this section of the podcast. <laughs> You're talking to someone who's a former doctor. You know, <laughs> you don't, you're the last person you need to tell about that. So, you know, it's, if, they, if there was a massive problem, a lot more people would be getting killed. If it was easy to do you know, if there was hundreds of people wanting to do it, then they could do it, couldn't they? They could at least get four or five really easily. I could get four or five with my shoe right now. And that's including the time taken to take that boot <laughs> off, which would, you know, give people a warning that something was about to happen. But I reckon I could... You could take these four out, can you? They'd be sitting there going... And then the others would start running. And just bam. Have you ever wondered why the numbers are dwindling? <laughs> it's because they've all gone to Syria to, to implement my plans. <laughs> um, you uh, had uh, Stendhal syndrome when you went to Rome. <laughs> I've just read your blog. It's, it's, not a weird, it's not a weird form of dysentery. It's, it's a syndrome named after the writer Stendhal, who yeah. was, became emotionally overcome when he first visited Florence. And it's a sort of, it's a sort of a hyper-reaction to being 
moved by genuine aesthetic beauty. What was it in Rome that you found aesthetically beautiful? Just everything about it. <laughs> but I know, I, and there's nothing I can say here that isn't a massive cliche, <laughs> because it's just one incredible ancient museum, and just seeing the Colosseum, and it's really sad to say this, but I wouldn't have felt like that if I hadn't seen Gladiator. And that makes me an amazingly unsophisticated human being. But the fact that I was seeing the building where Russell Crowe said Maximus Decidius Meridius yeah. or whatever it was, and, and just, it, it puts the images, it, well the film puts the images in your head, and so you don't have to think too hard about what it must have been like to be a slave that was sent, sent to their slaughter in front of gladiators and lions. But it's just an, an incredible city, and I'm not one of these people that has really trendy tips as to where to go on holiday. Oh, do go to Ljubljana. There's this amazing oyster bar. Uh, I've, got, I've got nothing like that. I love the big cities and, yeah. and the history that they have. And I, I was love Rome. very much over, overcome by Rome. I thought it was incredible. It'd be more embarrassing if you said you like the Colosseum because of the film Sliders. <laughs> I think I've got that right, haven't I? Is that <laughs> the one where the guy, they have a fight in the Colosseum? No. Nope. Am I right? Jumpers. Jumpers, that's what it's called, Dan. <laughs> Edit that out, Ben. Edit that so it's good. I'm a bit tired, Dave. I've made they, two. They both two end in S. S. They do. <laughs> they both, well, sliders begins and ends with the same letter. Oh, that's, it does, my, yeah. that's, that's why. That's why I went for that. You can leave it in now, Dave. It's all right. I'm at a rescue. <laughs> that was all deliberate. You have some interesting lookalikes. Yeah, they're niche your, lookalikes. They are quite niche. Uh, you look like uh, 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 Sean Williamson, who's Barry from EastEnders, according to you. <laughs> I do look a bit like Sean Williams. You look yeah. like Jose Padilla, who's a, who is a terrorist. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Nicknamed the Dirty Bomber. He was sent to prison in Chicago before he could actually do anything. No, he did not do anything. But when I first saw his photo on the front of the Daily Telegraph, I shat my pants. <laughs> going, oh, my, oh my God, that's me. Um, these, are, these are all uh, very niche lookalikes. They're yeah. on my website. I like that. Teal'c from Stargate. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce uh, it? I, I, I don't watch Stargate, yeah. but apparently there's a character with funny bits in his head that looks a bit like me. I think he, I think he was the best one. Um, uh, Leander uh, Payas, the uh, Indian doubles tennis player, <laughs> looks a bit like me. Yeah. He's not on the website at the moment. And okay. the Oscar-winning musician A.A. Rahman, who wrote the music for Slumdog Millionaire. As I said, these are very leash. Do you ever get mistaken for these people in, in real life? No. Because I um, get mistaken for I, I, I did get Mis- uh, I do keep getting mistaken for a guy whose name I don't know on Dragon's Den, who I don't think is um, on Dragon's Den at the moment. Yeah. Uh, 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 I just spent a weekend in Newcastle, uh, and this stag group, one of them went, you're that guy from Dragon's Den? And I kind of wanted to go, I'm checking in to the Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> <laughs> do you think the guy from Dragon's Den would be checking in to the Holiday Inn Express in Newcastle? And then this guy in a gay bar later on that night uh, came up to me and went, I know you, uh, you're that guy that works at Silverlink McDonald's. <laughs> and I said to him, I am, please don't tell anyone that I'm in this bar because nobody knows about this part of my life. And he said, don't worry, Mohammed, your secret's safe with me. <laughs> I just love someone who goes to McDonald's enough to know, recognise and know the name well, of the Well, apparently he used to work. Oh, no, did he? That's okay. 
Uh, I, this is something we have in common. I used to play the give us a break machines in pubs mm-hmm. in the 1980s. Oh, what a machine. And it was genuinely a brilliant machine because if you were clever, you could win money on it. Back in the day. You could actually... Yeah, and yeah. I, although I was minor league at that, I would, I would often make 40, 50 pounds a week, which when you're a medical student in the early 90s is a lot of money, yeah. to be fair. I now know of people that were clean, absolutely cleaning them out and there's a, a guy called Martin Smith who, until relatively recently, was making £25,000 a year <laughs> going from pubs to pubs to pubs, learning all, play, basically playing the, playing the machines enough to learn the answer to all the questions. Yeah. And then just going to other pubs and just taking out the jackpots again and again and again. But it, I think the machines now are all cottoned onto it. Yeah, well, they're all weighted now, so they, they won't, they'll only, they're like a fruit machine, basically. Well, there are some it. that just never actually pay out at all. Yeah. 100 questions on, you're like, Am I? Uh, what, what, what do I have to do? The, the machines are. The, the, I mean, they, they only pay out if it's the morning after a nightclub where people, drunk people, have been putting money in all the time. Yeah. That's the only time you've got any chance, really. Yeah. I, if I made fruit machines, mm. I, wouldn't you just put in a little special program where if you did the buttons in a certain way, all the money would come out? That's why. Wouldn't you do that if you program fruit? You could do it without anyone knowing, couldn't you? True. Anyone program fruit machines here in this audience? It's pretty likely. <laughs> they probably don't, because they're probably just out collecting all the money. They're just... <laughs> <laughs> there must It'd be, be easy, wouldn't it? Cause it's all, it's there all must be people like that, but it is, a, cr- a, it is a crime. Yeah, but you, know, you would never be found, would you? It could never be discovered. because It's like a little back door you've put in, because you're a computer genius. Make it into a film. It's called Sliders, that film. <laughs> <laughs> it's sliding the things. <laughs> It takes place in the Colosseum, and it would be annoying if that was your reference, because the film isn't out yet. Saved it twice. Um, (laughs) uh, I was going to come up with some more um, uh, trivia questions for you. One of them was, what is Magellan's first name? But you got that already. Yeah, it was, it was definitely Ferdinand. Yeah, <laughs> it was an easy one. I was trying to get you in in an, in an easy way. Uh, I'll ask you another emergency question. That's what this is, an emergency. It is an emergency. It is, it's it's an, only my own emergency. Um, what is the secret of happiness? That is a good new emergency question. Are you happy, Paul? Are I'm very happy? happy. Are you? Yeah, I'm very, very happy. Uh, and the secret of happiness is to have limited ambitions <laughs> and to never look at what chowdhury might be earning. Uh, the, 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 a combination of those two. No, you've got to have limited... I, th- I think that I've never been a particularly ambitious person and I've never had a long-term plan. When my, one of my agents said, what's your five-year plan? I didn't burst out laughing. I don't even know what I'm going to be doing this Christmas, let alone in five years' time. And I'm, I'm, I, I've made a decision a while back, not least when I didn't pay my subs to the General Medical Council in, in February 2007 to go, this is your chance to sever your ties with medicine and never go back. I've kind of gambled and taken risks and not really thought too much about the long-term future for quite a while. So my default position is that it's, this has got to work, otherwise I'm completely <laughs> fucked. Uh, and so getting this job on the chase makes... Doing two jobs that I love, I suppose one that I was shit at, makes me very happy. I was single for 20 years. I've now got a, a UKIP voting boyfriend. <laughs> Don't knock it, the sex is amazing. <laughs> he likes to pretend that he's the late Margaret Thatcher and that, <laughs> and that I'm the British manufacturing industry in the 1980s. It's, 
it's... But also it depends on a lot of other people, doesn't it? My, my, I, I am that classic Asian son in that I want my parents to be happy with what I'm doing and them being happy with what I'm doing and them liking my boyfriend are big parts of me being happy. And having my sister giving birth to a lovely little boy, Leo, because it's just the two of us. And so that me knowing that there is another generation of Sinhas and that I didn't ruin it for my mum and dad <laughs> completely and that they do have a grandkid makes me very happy. And genuinely, I don't, I don't get consumed with unhappiness in the way that I used to when I was a very bitter, frustrated, promiscuous, hopelessly single, borderline alcoholic gay man. Uh, yeah, um, I, I identify with quite a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Just uh, at the end, it suddenly veered away. <laughs> <laughs> You've said that before. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what that means, means to be honest with you. Just sounded like innuendo. So Bloke who likes tennis liked it, and that's all. <laughs> they uh, but yeah, I, I, but I don't know what this. I, do you know what? What I do know is that comedians don't have the answers to anything. Just, this is just, just, just our job, and our opinions don't count for shit. And we shouldn't believe that they do. They're just a mechanism by which we try and make people laugh. And realizing that makes me happy, I suppose. But I, I, there's no secret to happiness other than to not get too frustrated uh, or bitter or angry or drunk just because <laughs> something doesn't go your way because eventually things if, if you work reasonably hard at it will start going your way life is a, a lot down to luck a it lot is. down to luck and good fortune and you just got to remember that really yeah it seems to have some of the answers and uh, <laughs> do you get a lot of comedians asking you to check out if they've got sexually transmitted diseases not anymore <laughs> uh, no no. Uh, no no I think people have realised now that I really wasn't that omniscient type of doctor <laughs> uh, that I was bluffing my way through a career in general practice and I think people are kind of aware of that now but I have had certain comedians who've asked me to look at their rashes who've um, then gone on to host a show called Blank Blank's Good News um, <laughs> but so that was a long time ago back when I knew those sort of famous people <laughs> I was in a pub once in York when, yeah. when a woman punched another woman because they both wanted to chat up Russell Howard. It's one of the, one of the, one of the strange, strangest things I've ever seen. Two women actually having a physical fist fight <laughs> over which one should get to chat up Russell Howard, given that he had no interest in either of them <laughs> and was very happily in a relationship. And I reckon in that situation, you probably got a better chance as a, as a double going together, the girls. That's what I'd say. Could commit if you both get off with him, then he, you know, there's there's a chance, isn't there? Uh, that's, that's that's all I say to those You've two. You've thought about this before. That, you? I just know men, you know, having been one in the past <laughs> before I got married and had a child, and it all disappeared, <laughs> and everything just it sort of that sucks back into your body. Would you like? Would you? Would you? Um, just that's what. Do you, would you like to have children yourself? You could no, still, you could no. Still do it. Uh, I, I decided that a long time ago, and luckily my dad agrees, judging by the way he ostentatiously hides the turkey baster every Christmas. <laughs> but um, no, it's having children is for people with stability in their life, and I don't. Well, <laughs> is it? Isn't it though? It, it, you, you, I mean, and for heterosexual couples, it's very different because you've not made an extra leap of commitment that, home, that, that gay couples would have, would have to have. And no, I, I certainly don't denounce the right for gay people to have children. It's just not for me. Mm. And nor do I particularly 
crave having that stability in life that I'd be a good parent. I've got a nephew. Mm -hmm. It's a bit like being a parent, except with none of the responsibilities. And it's, I'm perfectly happy with that. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I, my life lends itself well to being a good parent. Okay. And what's your new show about your touring this? You've just done Edinburgh, and I hear it went fantastically well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wow! And I, what's, I just didn't what know Fosters that? didn't know Fosters were interested in my career at all. It was, <laughs> it was certainly something of a surprise to be nominated for best newcomer. Um, <laughs> what's the? Is there a theme to the show? Yeah, well, it's called Postcards from the Z List. Yeah. So uh, I, I, re I realised after a while that, that the best comedy comes from honesty. And what's changed in the last four years since I did a show at the Edinburgh Festival is that I've become a Z-list celebrity, and it, it's quite a nice place to be, in that I occasionally get recognised, occasionally get misidentified as Mohammed from Silverlink <laughs> McDonald's, uh, and it's, it's about what that life is like, as well as what it's like to be in a relationship for the first time in, as an adult. Because, I mean, I literally, I've been in a relationship since 2011 with UKIP boy, Benito Jr., and... Um, <laughs> It's, it's, my first, it's my first time at it and the responsibility and it's, it's a very weird thing and also my responsibilities as a nephew and so it's really the show is about what's happened to me in the last four years yeah. it's been four years since I've done a full length Edinburgh show and that's touring over the, all around the UK? all around the UK over the autumn and in the spring how many dates are you doing in your tour do you know? Well, let's make up a number off the cuff. Um, <laughs> 36. Okay. I'm doing 36 right. dates. Um, okay. There's a lot of people touring at the moment. That's what, you know, is, does that worry you? I was really scared last, last year. There was 120, the 2014 to 2015 season, there was 120 comedians touring. And I just, and as I make my money from touring, my tour's uh, called Happy Now is going to be, <laughs> go to richherring.com. Got another one in. Got that again. <laughs> uh, then, uh, you know, you sort of, that's the worry is that people won't come and see you. No, of course there's that worry, but that worry never goes away. You'd no. still have that worry if there were only six people out there. I, I'm just glad that I occupy a demographic niche that, for the moment, uh, unless Romish Ranganation develops an appetite for cock, then... Um, <laughs> then I, I, I do occupy my own little demographic niche yeah. and, um, uh, and there seem to be people out there that want to come and see me do comedy so and what level if it's not a personal question <laughs> what level <laughs> none of these what questions. level of what, what size rooms do you play well, I was doing hundreds to 150s, but yeah. some of the 300s sold out on, on tour, so we're looking more at 300s now yeah. for, the, for the new tour. I think, I think it's a good... But it's very regional, and yeah. I don't know how much you find this, it's very difficult to sell tickets in big cities. People often think that it's the opposite, that big cities will be the easiest to sell. But to try and get people to realise you're even in that city at all, guess, yeah. when there's so much else going on. Uh, and so I do seem to do very well well, I'm literally the only thing going on in that town <laughs> in the month of October. That seems, that seems to be my speciality. Yeah. Yeah, I get that sort of true. I think that's true with London. I think London's very difficult to get an audience. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually quite a big audience. No, it's all right. <laughs> it's just a massive room. It is a big room. Uh, and that I've just done all my 12 shows in, in this room. And last just just pretty finished last week that, and that's, uh, uh, the opposite of a humble brand well, <laughs> but and yeah it was definitely looked like it was going to sell out uh, <laughs> if i could half fill this room i'd be very happy for each one of those we'll see we'll see what happened in the past when it happens <laughs> uh, 
Really glad England won the Ashes, though. <laughs> 4-1. Who knew? I couldn't see that coming after the second test. I really couldn't. So, well, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thanks for coming down to the Ness Square Theatre. <laughs> I think I've asked you everything I wanted to ask you, more or less, as well. But, you know, that question about the football teams was the main thing. <laughs> um, what's your... Who would win in a pie-eating contest between the Chase and, and uh, the Eggheads? We've got Labette. Yeah. We, we, we have the Joker. And also, Kevin Ashman, the greatest quiz he's ever lived, has recently been diagnosed with insulin-dependent diabetes. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> so we have a couple of advantages. Yeah. Okay. To be fair. That's good. Everyone asks you who would get the best at quizzes, though, don't they? Between those who would win a quiz, which I don't want to know that, because I know already. <laughs> <laughs> is that, which is your favourite quiz that you're not in on the television at the moment? University Challenge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, University Challenge, is, for me, the, because it's fast, you get tonnes of questions, uh, and it's the level of quizzing that I aspire to be good at, all that highbrow stuff, yeah. um, is... is is what I really want to get good at. And so University Challenge for me is the, is the gold standard of quizzing. I've got nothing funny to say about it. It just did. I've, I've, for nearly all quizzes that I know, I think that the answer is the same. University Challenge. Or, or Tipping Point. Or Tipping Point. <laughs> which is the, the, the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, but but uh, Tipping Point's done well. People yeah. watch Tipping Point because they get emotionally involved with the quest to get those coins falling into that. I'm looking at people that definitely have a job at 4pm. <laughs> I'd like to see Tipping Point without the questions, isn't it? Just the coins. Yeah, just people putting, you'll put a coin in, see who wins the most, and then at the end of it, it's just who wins the most. But Because the only good bit is when Ben Shepherd, as I was saying the other week, Ben Shepherd and the person have to discuss what they think is going to happen to the coin in the interim as it's coming down. They have a little conversation which is always what you think well, what do you think is going to happen no, to the said, here? Don't know, really. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, looks like it might go, oh, it's gone in the wrong bit a bit. Uh, let's see. Might, that might push those ones. No. No, it didn't though, did it? No. If I go and I'm just, if Ben Shepherd says that, if they do a celebrity one, I think they do do a celebrity one. They do, and yes. I think if but I go But it's ITV, on, you're yeah, very BBC, I, to be well, fair. Well, if I was lucky. Uh, <laughs> if I go and I'm just, if Ben starts asking me, I'm going, shut up, Ben. Just watch. <laughs> just, just watch it. I'm not, I'm here for my quizzing skills, not my ability to predict the random fall of a coin. That's the whole point, <laughs> the whole point of this quiz. Have you ever thought about putting a sort of tipping point machine into the chase at any point? Well, it's not really my call, Richard. I don't know, I don't know how much put, power you, you think the chasers have. You could uh, put it into the bit where the questions are coming down. You could put a coin machine in there as well. I'd rather get Bullseye back. I mean, Bullseye is my favourite uh, yeah. in terms of the crossover. Or Big Break. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm all right at snooker on a six-foot table. Yeah. I'm shit at... Uh, what's your highest break? In, on a well, in the old, since I started playing Me 1 versus Me 2, it's probably in the tw mid-20s. I got. I think I got 42 on a six-by-three once. Oh, that's why I was... When I was a young man. <laughs> uh, back well, in July, yeah. <laughs> um, snooker, yeah, uh, I like the crossover shows yeah. because they're different, uh, but nobody saw Tipping Point as being a success, and it, you just can't work out what TV show is going to be a success. So you just got to hang on in there, Richard. <laughs> okay. Do you, think, do you think Me 1 versus Me 2 snooker will ever be on Met Prime Time TV for two hours on a Saturday night? 
If the universe it's, is it, infinite, it is somewhere. That is an infinite number of times. It's certainly not impossible, mate. It's, it's not. Impossible. <laughs> it's, I think it is impossible. Uh, so, well, we've, it's been very lovely to talk to you and love to see you again. And, you know, any time, you know, you want to go back to fancying me, that is what I give you permission <laughs> Well, that's very kind of you, Richard, that, but I don't I need you, your permission. I, You've not seen my bedroom wall. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shrine to Fist of Fun. Is it, yeah. Uh, and, um, and that show that you were on with Stuart Lee. Did you prefer me to Stuart? <laughs> <laughs> Did you prefer me to Stuart when we were on TV? Yeah, unlike all the girls. Yes, I found the person. <laughs> I found... You only need to write to me and say it out, especially then, 1995, I will have sex with you. <laughs> really? You, that, wow. That's what I'll do with a time machine. Yeah, go back there. I won't kill Hitler, I'll write you a fan note. <laughs> okay, that will be good. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Paul Sinner! You have been listening to Richard Herring, that's the Square Theatre Podcast with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Paul Sinner. The music is by Pest, as always. They're here every week. I don't pay them a, a red cent. Thank you to everyone at the Square Theatre. Thank you to everyone at Go Faster Stripe. Thank you to my producer, Dave Cribb. Thank you also to me, Richard Herring, for having the idea to do this and then doing it. It is a Sky Potato, Go Faster Stripe, and Fuzz Production for the Internet. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this, go to gofaststripe.com and buy one of my DVDs or books, or you can buy a badge and help support future podcast endeavours, www.gofaststripe.com slash badges. I'd like to thank these kind people who this time helped us to film this series of Rehalestaper. They are Matthew Smith, Ewan Duncan, Rob Applin, Darren Foote, Colin Anderson, Raymond Harpenny, Kevin Tipcorn, Steve Mash... Dean Ratland, Gaynor Wilson, Adam Queck, Stuart Fawcett, Tim Turner, Julian Benton, Thomas Baldwin, Lauren Pilkington, Matthew Blackburn, Neil Martin, Jack Burton, Fraser Levy, Gina Lynn, Paul Jeffrey, Rob Ward, Robert Tang Richardson, Leo Vagoda, Carol Forster, Icky Kawa, Colm McGonagall, Aurora Watters, Jake. Heather Henderson, Simon Carl, Christine Sato, David Collier, Jijin John, Roy Owens, Matthew Poynton, and Thomas Monk, Merrick Stanley, Tony Hastings, Jonathan Burke, <laughs> Mike Wipol, Mike Walpole, I'm so laughing at Jonathan Burke, I can't say the next one, Mike Walpole, Mike Sheldon, Gordon Miller, Tony Eller, Oliver Kappelman, come on, that's not a real name, he always puts a joke one in. Martin Gardner. Thank you very much to all of those largely and probably men unless Merrick is a woman. Thank you very much. Goodbye.